0: John chapter number 11 in verse number 23 says, Jesus said unto her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and I am the life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me, they shall never die. Do you believe this? And Martha said unto him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are Christ, the son of God coming into this world. Now, last week we talked about your life may not be an instance your life may be an occasion now in an instance we realize that the woman from uh, the widow from Nain had a son who was raised from the dead and when got when Jesus raised her son from the dead many people witnessed it but really that's all that happened and so through the I will rise series we've been looking at the story of Lazarus John chapter number 11 we started at Easter Sunday morning and the first thing we touched on is the love of God cannot be in question when he's making something out of your life the love of God cannot be in question because 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 when we read this passage here in just a minute, the Bible distinctly says that Jesus loved Martha, Jesus loved Mary, her sister, and they loved Lazarus. So the love of God cannot be in question as God makes an occurrence out of your life. And we begin to talk that don't view your life as a simple house that takes a short time to build, but maybe God's wanting to build a skyscraper out of your life, something greater, something bigger, something that affects a lot of people. Now we realize the account in John chapter number 11, it affected many people, it affected the disciples. We talk about that last week it affected Mary and Martha and Lazarus and we talked about that last week it affected the crowds and the friends that gathered around it even affected what the Bible says are the others the great crowds that had gathered around them and the difference is is these people weren't witnesses they were affected it means that their life somehow changed because of the occurrence that took place now my goal and my mission in my own personal life is to affect as many people as I can possibly affect with the gospel of Jesus Christ I don't want people to just witness me I want people to be changed by my actions, my thoughts, my patterns of living, my lifestyle. I want people to be affected by my life. For that to take place, God wants your life to be more than an instance. He wants it to be an occurrence that takes place or an occasion that takes places. Now listen to this. An occasion is deliberate. An occasion is not casual. An occasion is planned. An occasion takes time. It has a process and people are affected by it. Now if a ca- an occasion is planned, deliberate, has a process and, and it takes time. How many of you know that God's got you going somewhere. You got to trust him while he's getting you there. A- amen. Now the hardest thing as a believer is many of us have what I call the Martha Syndrome or you are the title of this morning's message, you are the control freak. Now I hope all my control freaks showed up this morning because I did announce it last week. But the thing about it is there's a control freak on the inside of every one of us. You may be the person who say, oh I'm just the free spirit and I can just run out there and do whatever. No, you being a free spirit literally is your coping mechanism because you're afraid of the, the controlling aspect. And so you think that by you being a free spirit and you just run out with no responsibility and, oh, my spouse will handle all that or my parents are the responsible one, you being a free spirit really have control issues. Okay, that was a bad, bad amen. I mean, that was horrible. Some of y'all are like, well, all the free spirits are here this morning because it's the control freak message, amen. You aren't supposed to be affecting us today. You're supposed to affect us next week when we were gonna skip, and all the control freaks were gonna come back in for the message on the on on the emotional people. No, the fact of the matter is there's a control freak on the inside of every one of us to a certain point or a certain extent. And I love what Maxie said, when he got up here talking about the tithe, some of you are sitting here thinking, Well, Pastor, I just can't tithe because of this, because of this, because of this. See, you're so in control of your money. God God can't put a hand on it amen you are so in control of i'm so budgeted i'm so processed i'm so deliberate pastor and i call it good stewardship no you're a control freak come on amen and we get to this point that we're a control freak of every area of our life and god then is powerless to usurp our will and so then he has to get us to our occasion kicking and screaming Rather than us coming along joyfully, amen. How many of you know God wanted you to enjoy this ride? Amen. he didn't put you on this earth to be miserable, to be upset, to be burdened, to be uh, weeping and moaning the whole time while he gets you to your occasion. He puts you on this earth to affect people on the way to your occasion and for you to do it smiling and full of joy, amen. And so many of us, we get drug along, kicking and screaming when God says, if you'll just give me control. Just give me control. Let me hang on for just a minute. Just just hang on. Just trust me for just a minute. And so we're going to go through the story of Lazarus here for the next few minutes, and we're going to find the control freak Martha had her own miracle coming. Amen? See, the, pr- the thing is, on the way to the occasion, the main miracle, everybody reads, wow, Lazarus was raised from the dead. No, God did a miracle in Martha And began to work on the control freak part of her throughout this process. And so as we begin to read this account, let me give you a little bit of background on Martha. This is a prior story in the book of Luke chapter number 10. And let me give you a little background on Martha. As you read this, listen to the type of person she is. And every one of you are going to think of somebody in your head who this fits the profile of. And now verse 38 says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered the village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to him teach. But Martha was distracted by much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to all this serving alone? Tell her to get up and help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, why are you so anxious and troubled about so many things, but the one thing that is necessary you have not chosen? Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. So here's the story that that gives you a little background on Martha. Jesus walks into this village, and a lady named Martha welcomed him into her house. And Martha has a sister named Mary, and Lazarus is their brother. And Lord, I bet Lazarus was loving his four-day nap in a man cave, amen, to get away from them sisters. (laughs) Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Some of y'all catch that here in a little bit. He died for four days, okay? He had a good nap away from these crazy sisters. And so Martha invites Jesus into the house, and so Martha, this is the busybody running around doing this, and doing this, and doing that, and taking care of this, and, and Mary's just sitting there politely at Jesus' feet, soaking it all in, and Martha starts getting a little perturbed. Martha starts getting mad, and she goes up to Jesus and says, Jesus, talk to my sister. Why, why is she sitting there doing nothing, and I'm having to do all this stuff? See, all this stuff that you're having to do, you may have just put on yourself, Jesus never went up to Martha and reprimanded her saying, you know, you should have had my plate ready when I got to the house. You should have had my meal ready on the table, the napkin folded a certain way, just like the Jewish culture should have shown. You should have known, Martha, the way Jewish people treat rabbis when they walk into a room. Jesus didn't say any of that. Jesus actually rebuked the control freak because she wasn't letting Jesus be in control. She wasn't letting Jesus take hold of what Jesus wanted to take hold of. Now, giving you that background on Martha here just for a minute, let's get into the account of the story of Lazarus. And we talked about as we rise, we're going to rise above four things. We're going to rise above circumstances. Circumstances are the things that you cannot control that happen in your life. Amen. We all have circumstances. We're going to rise above conditions. Conditions are the things that you create in your life by either doing or the absence of doing something that you should or shouldn't be doing. We're going to rise above the questions. When you begin to rise up, people are going to question your calling your anointing your ability and what you should do and you're going to rise above the critics and we talked about the critics on the way to the occasion last week and so as Martha begins to do this process we're going to find out where where she begins to rise above the circumstances and control freaks they hate circumstances because circumstances remember are things that happen outside of your control and when they happen outside of your control the world of the control freak gets shaken a little bit it's oh my goodness what are we going to do now What's going to take place? Oh, no, my perfect little scheduled org chart that I have on the refrigerator has been shattered. No, what are we going to do? Come on. on Everybody's got somebody in their mind right now. And so the circumstances that are outside of her control take place. Her brother died. That was not a circumstance she wanted. In fact, she didn't want that circumstance so much. Two days before, she sent word to Jesus and said, Go tell Jesus he better get on my schedule now and get here now because my brother's about to die. And if he dies, my world's going to be shaken and I'm going to not know what to do because my org chart will get out of order. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And now that my world is shaken, I don't know what to do. And the Bible says Jesus waited two more days. <laughs> now, now listen, some of, y'all, some of y'all better get a hold of this this morning because you and your controlling world, it actually just makes God have to wait. It makes God have to wait because you, by controlling everything in your life, don't trust him with anything in your life. And so it makes God wait. Now listen to what Jesus says in John 11, verse 14 and 15. Then Jesus became explicit talking to his disciples and said, Lazarus died. And listen to this. Now catch this. Lazarus died and I am glad. Jesus said, Lazarus is dead and I am glad. Some of y'all are thinking that's not right. Jesus, that's not a very good Christian thing to say. You're glad somebody died. Listen to what he says. Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. That should make every control freak furious. Jesus is glad he wasn't there in your time of need. What? Jesus, you weren't there when I needed you? Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I wasn't there. Many of us, you gotta get past the point in your, on the way to your occasion that you got to realize that God's gonna be there the whole time. God is going to be with you the whole time. And just because it doesn't happen on your org chart, your organizational structure that you have planned out, God is still going to be there. He's going to be on time. And if God said he's going to be there and he's going to be on time, and the verse that we previously read, that this illness will not result in death, but it will be an occasion for the glory of God, you've got to understand that even if your org chart gets blown out of the water, God can raise it from the dead again. Amen? You've got to begin to trust God. If you, by stepping out and starting to tithe, blows your budget out of the water, God can raise it from the dead. If you, in your org chart, and your uh, your planned out perfect life, gets messed up because God didn't get there when you thought he should have, whose time frame do you think is off? Amen? Whose time frame do you think is not occurring on? See, many of us, Jesus looks at us in our control freak mindset, and because we will not surrender to him, he says... The thing you wanted the most is dead and I'm glad because now I become your life again. See, the thing about a control freak is when you're in control of every single thing, that's your life, not him. The thing about a control freak, when everything is planned to precision and you've got this perfect thing going, it it begins to put God out of the picture because you got it so in control. Now, when we get ready for a worship service on Sunday morning, we have a run list, a run sheet of how things are going to go that we hand out to several people before the service starts on when the lights come off, when the lights go back on, when the video starts, when the video doesn't start, when we do this and when we do that and when we do all these things. And the one thing we always say is, God, we have got this plan in place, but if you want to do something different... If you want to change something and make me get up during the middle of a song and say something because somebody's got to get ready to relinquish control so they can have an occasion with you, God, this sheet goes out the window. So it doesn't mean you're irresponsible. It means you got a plan until God says different. And then when God says different, you change your plan to His plan. Now, if you're a control freak, you don't like that. The control freak part of me doesn't like that. The control freak part of me actually, listen to this. I told you I'm going to get real personal with you during the series. The control freak part of me actually doesn't like it when my run sheet gets thrown out of the water because I'm more afraid about making you mad than making him happy. Mm -hmm. See, I'm more concerned that you're going to be mad that we got out 15 minutes later. And you're not coming back than making him happy who can draw the people in anyway. And so when our orchard or my run list gets thrown out of the water, I'm fighting the flesh on the inside of me saying, oh, God, you're going to have to do this. And God said, I've had it all along. Joel, when you get over here and let me get in here, I can make something happen. You know, a lot of times God can't make something happen because we're in the middle of his position. We're in the middle of his place. See, God has called me to pastor this church, but when the worship started starts, I step aside and he takes center position. There's one king, there's one pastor, there's one good shepherd, and that's Jesus Christ. And he moves and operates and is orchestrated by the power of the Holy Spirit. And when he's moving and operating and empowered by the power of the Holy Spirit, God takes center stage. Joel, as senior pastor, steps aside, and I'm just a lay person being moved by the Spirit of God just like anybody else. Now, that takes a lot of faith sometimes because when you leave here mad, You don't talk bad about him, you talk bad about me, (laughs) right? Okay, everybody's like, y'all should see the stoic look on people's faces. I can't amen that because then he's going to know I said something. But it's a good point, so I can't say, see, you're control-freaking yourself out right now. What do I do? What do I do? I can't say anything, but I need to say something. It's a good point, but it's a relative point, but I don't know. You don't even know when to amen anymore, (laughs) Because the control freak side of you doesn't know what to do now. Jesus said, Lazarus is dead and I'm glad for your sake. Because this will become an occasion... To show the glory of God. So control freaks hate circumstances. And when they hate circumstances, it, because it throws their whole world out of control. Now listen, control freaks, they, con- cr- they create their own conditions. And many of you have created your own conditions to the point where you're in a bad place because you were the control freak and you didn't let God be in control. Just like the, the message that he brought about tithing this morning. Many of you are in financial bondage because you've been so controlling of your money, you just controlled it the wrong way. And so you created your own conditions. Now let me read to you out of verse 17. It says, Now Jesus came and he found Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Jesus was near Bethany about two miles off. Everybody say two miles off. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out and met him. But, but Mary remained seated in the house. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Now listen to this condition that she created. Jesus is two miles off. You want to talk about an org chart being blown out of the water? She hears Jesus is two miles away. She starts running to him. She starts running to Jesus two miles away. And the first thing she says to Jesus when, when, he get, when she sees the presence says, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Now listen, many of you do this to God. You run before God because your org chart got blown out of the water. It said if you would have only showed up God, and then you realize who you're talking to, so the one condition that you created back here by being a control freak, you run before God, you blow up on God, and then you got to backtrack before God, and you say, but I know if you say it, he'll rise again. So now you're trying to control the condition that you just made God really mad. But you also got these people over here who are depending on you. And so by your control freak mentality, you go and you blow up at God. And you're trying to appease this condition. But then in the blowing up at God, you create this condition between you and God. And so now Martha's in a frenzy because her org chart's messed up. Jesus is mad. You, know, you, you, you see what I'm saying? See, you and your conditions and the conditions you create and the way you do things, your control freak personality Jesus, he can't deal with it, excuse me, he wants to deal with it, but he can't use you if you're not going to let him be in control. And then what did he say to her? He said, he will rise again. And so she backtracks. She said, oh, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. See, then we put on our good Christian hat because we're in front of Jesus now, <laughs> amen. See, out here in the world, we're dealing with all these people, and you're, oh, I guess God just didn't show up on time, and I guess God this didn't this, and then you run into the presence of God, you put on your good Christian hat, and you start quoting all the scriptures because you're in control. And you don't want to feel out of control, so you got to prove to God your worth by how much you know about him, so you start telling him everything you ever heard about him, that he's the resurrection and the last day. Oh, you're the great I am. Oh, you're the prince of peace, even though I'm not really at peace, God. Oh, you're the great financer. You're the great supporter. You're the great supplier, even though all my needs haven't been met yet. Oh, God, you're this. and But you're creating conditions. And I know Martha was anxious because of the previous story that wasn't near as big of an issue. The previous story we read, Jesus was just coming to her house for a meal and she was anxious and worked up. Her brother had died. What do you think she's in now? I mean, she's going crazy. And so we go to God creating conditions that God never wanted created. And so circumstances are things that happen out of your control. Conditions are things that you create by your disobedience or obedience in certain areas of your life. And so when you begin to relinquish control, you begin to relinquish the results of the conditions into the hands of God. Now, some of you got to hear that. When you begin to let go and entrust God in areas of your life, that doesn't mean you relinquish responsibility. It's like with your kids, you raise them in the church, you raise them in a godly fashion, but you relinquish control of them to God. Amen? You relinquish control of them to God. Doesn't mean you're out of the responsibility. No, Caleb and Aaron are our responsibilities as long as they're alive on this earth. Okay? But we relinquish control of them to God. We'll still be responsible for them here on this earth. You relinquish control of your finances to God while still being in charge of them here on this earth. See, God said you're steward, not owners. That means you are in charge of God's possession. You don't control God's possessions. And so with your kids, your finances, your marriage, you are responsible for but not in control of the conditions that arise because you relinquish control to God. You say, God, I'm going to do exactly what you tell me to do, and the results are on you. I'm going to do exactly what you've asked me to do, and the results are on you. There's been several situations in the life and the ministry of this church where God has come to me and said, Joel, if you don't relinquish control of this issue to me, the church will fail. Now, that's not a fun conversation to have with God. Not at all. You know, there's certain financial situations that have occurred in the past where we didn't really have the money to pay the bills. And, and, and God said, if you don't relinquish control of this to me, the church will fail. But when you relinquish control to me, I'll make it prosper. There's been certain situations in the church where, where people have came and gone and in and out and stuff like that. And God said, if you don't relinquish control of this to me, your church will fail. But when you relinquish control, I will make all things work together for good to those who love me and are called according to my purpose. But when you don't relinquish control, God can't work in it. He can't do it. So we got to begin to rise above the circumstances, rise above the conditions as we are if we are a control freak person. Now listen, listen to what Martha's response is. She gives the good Jesus answer, okay? Oh, I know that he'll rise again. I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God. See, control freaks, we know the right answer, but we don't really believe it. You want to know how I know she didn't believe it? Because look what she says just a little bit later. Jesus responds to her in verse 40 and says, Did I not tell you that if you believed, she would rise again from the dead? He questioned her belief again. So Jesus knew back at the beginning of the story that she really wasn't believing because at the end of the story, when Jesus is about to raise him from the dead, she runs up there in a frantic again and will get there. And Jesus said, Did I not tell you, Martha, that if you believed? So he proved right there she really didn't believe. See, there's a lot of situations in your life that when it gets right down to it, God comes to Joel and says, Joel, did I not tell you that if you really believed, I'd come through? But then he comes through anyway, even despite my unbelief. And you want to know why God will do that? Because this is his church. This church rests on his authority and in his control. And listen, he's going to grow and prosper the way, Bible Church. If I pass away and go to be with Jesus tomorrow, this is Jesus' job still to grow and prosper this church. Amen. It always has been. It always will be. The issue is Jesus understands that. But if I were to pass away and be gone tomorrow, how many of y'all would go into a frantic? Everybody should raise their hand and say, yes, yeah, make me feel good, amen? I mean, help me out. Everybody's like, oh, you can go be with Jesus. We don't care. We got this. We got Jeff and Amy and Mitch and Dave and everybody. We're good. Pastor, go on. It's his control. You got to leave it in his hands. The conditions that you're dealing with, the things that you're going through. You gotta entrust it to him. Now listen, the control freaks also hate questions because they feel they always have to have an answer. Sometimes God doesn't want you to answer for him. Sometimes God wants to answer for himself. When people come to you and ask questions, why didn't this happen or why didn't this occur, you think you gotta come up with a good answer instead of saying, why don't you ask God about that? Why don't you begin to let God answer for himself sometimes? Now listen to this part of the story about the control freak in Martha and the questions that come to her. So when Martha... When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out and met him, and when, and, but Mary remained seated in the house. But Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now I know that whatever you ask God, he will give unto you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection, I am the life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And then Jesus questions her on her belief. Do you believe this. Do you believe this? See, control freaks hate the questions because it puts them on the spot instead of putting the people out there on the spot and who we've delegated responsibility to. See, the thing about this position here is all the responsibility does end with me, good, bad, or otherwise. Something goes horrible in the children's department, they're not going to (laughs) Ty. They are knocking on my door Monday morning before I even get here. Something goes wrong in the youth group, they're not going to Damon. They're running to me. Worship team, they're running to me. Anything else, they're running to me. You don't like the business meeting? They still come to me. (laughs) Now listen, control freaks don't like the questions because the questions make them evaluate something on the inside of them that they may realize may not be fully right. They may realize I may have missed it somewhere. Now listen, church, I'll be flat out honest with you. If I've missed it, I'll flat out tell you I've missed it. (laughs) If I made a decision and it was bad, I'm going to say, please walk with me with grace through this decision that I've made because I found out that it may not have been the best avenue or course of action, but I promise God will make something work out together for good. He promised he would. I'm not above admitting to my mistakes. I'm not above that. But in this process, I do get asked hard questions sometimes. I get asked devastating questions sometimes. I get asked questions that, that people sometimes direct straight at me and they question my integrity The honesty of the church, the the manner that we walk in. I'll never forget this time a a man came in my office and said, I don't believe y'all are doing right with the money. First of all, I said, well, do you actually tithe to the church? I mean, how do you question somebody about money when they're not handling their money right? Well, this person was a tithing member, and so... So we open up all the books, which is what we'll do to anybody in this building who's a tithing member of the church. We'll let you see everything. We're not hiding anything. We bring in an accountant in every three months to audit the books on every single quarter for everything to make sure everything's going right. Amen. I mean, we, we got things above board. But they said that we were doing wrong with this, 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 and this. And what it really turned out to be is they were directing very hard questions at me and the integrity of the church when actually their own personal business was failing Because of decisions they had made that were not above board. And many times in the life of the control freak, we get directed hard questions that do make us evaluate ourselves, which are good. But when you start directing questions, why are you directing them? Is it because really God's moving it or is there something in your life that God's directing at you? See, a lot of times God's directing you and something in your life with a tough question And we retaliate against God by saying, well, so-and-so didn't do this and this person didn't do that and, and, well, this person doesn't do this and this person doesn't. God's not worried about this person, that person, the other person. He can talk to them too. God's concerned about you and your relationship. He didn't go to Martha and say, Martha, does Mary believe this? He went to Martha and said, do you believe this? So when God's coming to you with direct questions that make you evaluate your life, don't direct them at somebody else. See, control freaks hate being questioned. Because it makes you reevaluate this org chart, this perfectly planned process that you have out there. And when you begin to evaluate this perfectly planned process that you get out there, you'll realize your perfect plan isn't always so perfect sometimes. <laughs> it was just perfect for your little world. It's kind of like some of you, God's trying to plant this tremendous garden and you're trying to stick a rose bush in the, of a, in the middle of a cucumber patch. You're trying to stick something in there that doesn't fit, but it fits in your perfect little world, so why shouldn't it fit? You got a great puzzle piece of your life, you really do. You just got to put it in the right place of the puzzle. <laughs> and so many Christians when God begins to direct questions at their life, you think God is mad at you and remember this is not a question about does, does God love me. The truth of the matter is is when you really start getting close to God, he's going to start asking you the tough questions. When you really start getting close to God, he's going to start asking you the difficult things. How many of you remember when you were about to get married? Before you got married, you and your spouse hopefully discussed some really tough questions. I not only had tough questions from my wife, I had more tough questions from her daddy and her mama. A lot of tough questions. Sherry and her family all the way up the line were raised very Southern Baptist. She was dating a non-denominational pastor who started his own church in a very Southern Baptist oriented place. (laughs) Amen. Thank you. You know the questions I was getting. And those questions I never took offense to. Why? Because if I couldn't answer them to a person I was about to marry into their family to, how could I answer them to a whole congregation of people who really didn't have my best intent at heart at some points? Not saying y'all don't, but there are some people who come in here strictly to see what's going on. When I am asked hard questions, I never take offense. Why? Because if I can't justify it and justly answer it in my heart, I deserve God to start questioning me to raise me to the next level, get me out of my control freak where I may think I have it all together. God says, you don't have much together at all. In this, in the control freak life, you got to rise above the circumstances, rise above the, the conditions, rise above the questions. Most of all, control freak people, they hate critics because sometimes we do have to admit when we're wrong. Now listen to verse 37. But some of them said, could he, talking about Jesus, who opened the eyes of the blind, also have kept this man from dying? Now notice all the things Martha's trying to control right here. She's got the crowd over here. She's got Jesus over here. She's got the disciples over here. She's got the weeping sister at the house who's still bawling. We're going to get to her next week. This is a great one next week. And so you got the crying sister she's trying to control. you got all the family and friends that showed up. She's trying to make sure the meal's in place for them. you got Jesus walking in from two miles away. So she runs out to meet Jesus because... Y'all think she's going to talk to Jesus. No, she really got to get back and get the roast out of the oven for the family that's fixing to eat. Now she's got crowds of people showing up because Jesus brought some uninvited guests because Jesus had critics just following him around because right at the end of this story it says, now they all made plans to kill him. <laughs> so Jesus had some unloving people following him plus the 12 disciples following plus Jesus many times in the Bible it says he had 72 others with him. And so Martha's in this place, oh, what do I do? <laughs> and so she's trying to control all these things. And control freaks hate the critics. Because when you're at your worst, (laughs) they're at their best. When you're not at your best, they're at their best. Here's where you got to let God be in control. You do not retaliate against the critics. You let God silence your critics. You let God silence the people who are coming against you and the vision and what God's calling you to do. I don't care how much they don't like it. I don't care how much they don't agree with it. I don't care how much they said you shouldn't have quit your job. I don't care how much they said you're making a dumb decision. Let God silence the critics. I mean, I've learned a very great spiritual gift, and it's called smile and nod. I love you, too. Oh, I just thank you for your support. I bless you in Jesus' name. Thank you. <laughs> Amen. whole time they're saying, yeah, you're making a dumb decision. Can't believe you quit that job and give up insurance and full benefits. You know you know the life of the pastor isn't good. you got to move every two years. <laughs> I mean, they say all these things. Yes, thank you for your support. I appreciate it. Love you. Bless you. Praying God's best for your life. <laughs> Praying his best is taking you home sometimes. Amen. Now listen, you got critics. And so Martha's trying to control all these situations. And now what gets me the most is this is the extreme she goes to. Jesus walks over to this tomb and he says, roll away the stone. Do you hear what Martha said? Jesus, stop. It's going to stink. Are you kidding me? Borderline insanity. But some of you in your life, you even try to control the smell of your life. And if you're living for Jesus, you're going to have a good smelling aroma, the Bible says. But if you're not, you're automatically going to stink and you can't control it either way. So you better start living for Jesus. Quit worrying about how to control everybody else's smell and let God begin to do a work in you. See, Martha in her controlling life was even worried about the smell when they were going to open up the tomb. By that point, if I was Martha, I'd have been like, Jesus, you're just going to do what you're going to do anyway. So just go do it. Prove me wrong. Prove me right. Prove me something. Get me out of this mess. Now you understand why Lazarus is happy in his man cave for four days? Uh, Amen. I mean, she's trying to control the stink that's about to come out the tomb. Men's caves are supposed to stink, women. And husbands, if you're blessed enough to have one, make it stink and it keeps the women out. My wife, she's like smiling and nodding. So you got that spirit to give down good. Yes, I love you. I'm going to kill him when he get in the car. Give him a man cave. He'll sleep outside. Mm-hmm. I'll show him who's in control of this house. See, we got the control freaks going on. <laughs> now I'm really in trouble. You're trying to control everything and not let God control anything. Would we please as the body of Christ when God is trying to raise something from the dead, i.e. his church in the United States of America? When God is trying to rise something up in this northeast Texas region, would we quit worrying about the dadgum smell? Will we quit trying to control every little aspect? Will we just get real with God? If we're a control freak, say, God, I'm a control freak, and I need you to get me out of this. Do you see how much of our lives we control? When God's saying, just go with me.